been a tick over eight years since the then-embattled Melbourne Football Club asked master coach Paul Roos to lay the foundations of a strong defence and culture before handing over the coaching reins to Simon Goodwin. Five years after Paul finished his coaching tenure at the Demons and 57 years after Melbourne's last premiership, here it is, Melbourne R Premiers. Paul, welcome to In the Ballpark tonight. And how does it feel to be a part of this club's remarkable turnaround? Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, watching Saturday nights and uh, seeing the result. Yeah, and then remembering back to where we sort of started with uh, Glenn Bartlett, Peter Jackson, and a lot of staff that some of which are still there, some aren't. So, yeah, I reflected that on a lot, particularly after the prelim. And then once they won the premiership, it was, yeah, just a lot of great memories coming back, a lot of thoughts about the good times and the not-so-good times, I guess, and a lot of Melbourne people reaching out, which was awesome too. And I've got a lot of friends, obviously, that are Melbourne supporters, having spent three three years there and, and now really understand the history of that footy club. When you first got to the club, just came off, I think it was a two and twenty year, and they only had uh, it was they finished with a percentage of fifty four percent. What was it like when you first came in? Was it chaotic or was there a sense of we've got a mission to do? Yeah, I think everyone knew how you know the challenge in front. I think because Glenn Bartlett was was in place, Peter Jackson was the CEO, so they were really calm characters, and like Peter and Glenn painted a yeah picture for me that was really honest. So no one yeah no one was sugarcoating it. Everyone knew how hard it was going to be over the next three to four years. And, you know, I think that was the best part about it. Everyone was really honest. So we, we absolutely knew we had a lot of work to do and uh, no one was sort of skirting around that. And I think that allowed us to just get to work, roll the sleeves up, get to work. And, that, you know, a lot of really, really good people at that at the club at the time. As I said, some are no longer here, but they significantly contributed to the to the success of the footy club that they had on Saturday night. What was Maxi gone like when you first got to the club? Because... Did you, did you sort of see him becoming a five-time All-Australian Premiership captain or was he the bloke that, you know, we sort of hear about the larrikin who was smoking darts in his car before training? Did you see him going on to be the player that he is? Or Yeah, I think he was sort of past that larrikin stage. He still had a real fun element around him, but I, I saw nothing but someone that was really committed to the footy club, really worked hard. Yeah, and obviously he had a fair bit of work to do on his game itself when I first arrived because I think he'd come off two knee reconstructions. So mm. it had been pretty tough as well. So, look, he just worked hard, really popular member of the team. Yeah, probably the game where he got in the team eventually and played really well at Geelong. Yeah, we knew he had enormous talent. You know, there's no question about that. And then when his work ethic matched it and the fact that he got a run and didn't have injuries, you know, so it's probably not completely surprising because of the talent level he had and he was always you know, a good leader and players loved playing with him and associated with him and training with him so it's just exciting to see where he's got to as a player. Just while we're on Max Gorn, I mean the celebrations after the jubilation of this win, we saw Angus Brayshaw having a cigar, we saw Michael Hibbert drinking out of the Premiership Cup, probably one of many and we saw the coach on the captain's shoulders. Now, Paul, did you ever get on Barry Hall's shoulders after the 2005 Premiership? No, I don't, I don't think so, but it's hard to – I mean, it's really hard to put into words. You know, the excitement of winning a grand final is just incredible. You know, it's good for anyone, but it's good, you know, particularly for a team like Sydney for 72 years and, and Melbourne 50-odd years because you're carrying that weight on your shoulders, you know. So you could sense the players knew it, the coaches knew it, the footy club knew it. And, you know, it's hard to know how you're actually going to react in that moment. And it was great to see the enjoyment, the excitement, and the spontaneity from the coaches and players. That's terrific, Paul. Uh, if if I may just touch on uh, more 
recently with the D's at the conclusion of both the 2019 and 2020 seasons. Uh, was was there any uh, sort of feeling from yourself perhaps that that maybe fearful that this group might be you know missing their their chance right now sort of thing, especially after the 2018 effort to end up in a preliminary final? Yeah, I was always really confident in the talent. The talent was assembled by Todd Viney and Jason Taylor. I mean, we saw it. It's an elite talent. And then they added, you know, obviously May and Lever post you know, me leaving. So they've got an incredibly talented team. And, yeah, they lost their way for a couple of years. And a lot of it was due to injuries. I mean, what we do know now is the health of the team is so important, not only when they get on the field, but have they had a preseason, you know, having been in the game for so many years. I understand the importance of, of you know, that starting in November and, and getting the three, four months leading, you know, it, it's imperative. So it's not only just getting the players on the field in round one, it's actually how fit they are in round one. And I think for the previous two years, they've really struggled to get their best team on the field. And you've got a coach that's learned a lot and players that have learned a lot. But, yeah, this hasn't surprised me at all because, uh, yeah, I could certainly see it coming towards the end of my tenure. And the first two years, Goody took over, as you said, it was nearly a final in a uh, 2018 preliminary final. So the talent was already always there. And I think this is just great vindication of, you know, the coach and the players and the closeness of the group and the work they've put in over a period of time. That's for sure. Certainly, uh, certainly evident now from what we've seen the last two seasons, all things considered. Do you have a preference or, or perhaps a, a strong stance in regard to the nighttime grand final? Yeah, I'm a traditionalist, um, 100%. You know, day grand final for me, um, having played in one in 96 and coached one in 2005. There's no question in my mind that it's the tradition of the AFL has been lost a bit the last couple of years. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully if it's back in Melbourne next year, it'll be back to the day game. Now, at the start of this year, Ruzi, you joined North Melbourne. Do you sort of see any similarities between when you first joined Melbourne at the end of 2013 to joining North Melbourne at the start of this year? I think... I think they lost their first eight games by some pretty big margins. Were there any similarities? Yeah, certainly when I uh, came to the North Melbourne Football Club, obviously on the back of um, last year and a disappointing year. And, yeah, it was a really tough year in the hub. Obviously, I had a new coach in Reece Shaw, who I know really, really well. So, yeah, I think similarities in the fact that they're really just trying to reshape their footy club. You know, new CEO, Ben Mafio is terrific. You know, Brady Rawlings was a new football manager. Reece Shaw was a new coach. So, you know, when I got there, sure, he was just, yeah, just finishing. So then we got another you know, first-time coach in David Noble. So, yeah, like I, I really like the people there. You know, the players, fantastic group of players. And probably from a talent point of view, you know, if you look at the, the draft picks, you know, Jai Simpkin, Taron Thomas, LDU, they're probably a couple of drafts ahead of Melbourne, you know, in terms of where when we first arrived, I think, yeah, it was Salem and, and Tyson the first year, and then the next year was Brayshaw and Petrarca and then Oliver. So they're probably a couple of drafts ahead of where Melbourne is. But certainly, yeah, absolutely some similarities between the two clubs and, and yeah, when I started at Melbourne, when I started at North Melbourne. From those very early days at Melbourne, obviously the, the skill execution on the field was quite difficult. How big was the gap when you got to Melbourne with those kind of aspects and, and how were you able to address those? Yeah, look, I was, I was fortunate to bring in four coaches from Sydney, which was really important. Ben Matthews, uh, Brett Ellison, George Stone and Daniel McPherson, who's still there. So that was really important. But look, I couldn't speak highly enough of the playing group, you know, and, and David Misson was there, who was my fitness coach at Sydney. You know, some of the people I've already talked about, Josh Marnie was a good footy manager. It was probably just teaching them how to play AFL football. They had really good training standards, really good people. But 
yeah, just their on-field performance and their lack of knowledge about how to actually play acceptable AFL football. Yeah, as you said, the percentage is sort of 54, which means you're pretty much getting doubled every time you play a game of football and you've only won two games. So that was our main focus, is just teaching them how to play the game at a really high level. And yeah, some survived, some didn't survive, but yeah, I couldn't speak highly enough of Particularly the two captains when I first arrived, Jack Trengove and Jack Grimes, were fantastic people. Nathan Jones, again, just a, an absolute superstar from a player point of view and a person. So I was really lucky. But yeah, it was challenging because we just had to really reteach them. Some of them had some really bad habits from you know, when they were younger and, and going through. So yeah, that, that was the main thing, just reprogramming their game day habits, showing them how hard they had to work and run and set up defensively, win contested ball. Yeah, but they, they were good learners and good listeners. So that made a little bit of yeah. What were some of those bad habits that you just spoke about? I think it was just their lack of running, you know, in game day. You know, they, they just didn't have a clue how to run on game day. You know, that, that was that was probably the biggest gap that we saw, you know, that, you know, whilst uh, other teams and certainly the Swans, who were the benchmark at the time under John Longmire, you know, we just used to show them vision of the opposition team, show them vision of Sydney and how hard their players ran in transition, offence to defence, defence to offence. And, yeah, we just had to reprogram their game style running and on the back of that, you know, how we wanted to set up and win contested ball and set up really quickly defensively and and then move really quickly into offence. So it just took time to be able to do that. How do you feel um, for Nathan Jones going through the, the last few months or so? Yeah, really tough. I mean, I, I had a similar situation but a bit different with Stewie Maxfield. Stewie Maxfield was the captain at, at Sydney in 2003, couldn't play in a grand final in 2005 because uh, of an injury. And obviously watching Nathan as a captain when I was there and just one of the best people I've ever met in footy, to miss out on the grand final, yeah, it was really hard to watch. Um, I would have loved to have seen him play and I'm sure all Melbourne people would have loved to have seen him play as well. But yeah, it was really, really sad to see him not play and I haven't spoken to him since, but I'm sure yeah, it was bittersweet. He would have loved to see his teammates. He's a great team person. He would have been so excited, but I'm sure deep down he would have loved to have been out there, no question. Yeah, obviously everyone feeling for Nathan Jones at the moment. I'm sure he'll celebrate with the guys when when Melbourne get back. And have you have you reached out to anyone personally from the club? People like Todd Viney and Josh Marnie would reached out and Goody and Gary Pert, who I played a lot of footy with as well. And yeah, Jason Taylor. So yeah, look, it's it's amazing. It really is. And I think when you know the history of the footy club and been involved, particularly when it was really tough times. Uh, you understand the, the change that has happened at the footy club and the amount of work that's gone in, and it's just so pleasing. And all, all, the, all the fans, I mean, I couldn't have been happy for all the fans, and it's just it's so exciting. I've got a lot of friends at Barrett from Melbourne, obviously, from a time there, and a lot of really close friends. So it's great to, to chat to them now and speak to them and text them backwards and forwards, and, you know, it's just, yeah, it's incredible. Like watching the Carlton process from afar, and obviously I don't know if you know Vossie well at all, but... um. How would he be feeling, like, sort of knowing that he was Carlton's probably second option behind Alastair Clarkson? Would that affect you at all going into a job knowing that you were probably the second option? I don't think so at all because I think all of us understand in coaching that Clarko's four premiership sort of trump anything that any of us have done, you know. So I don't think anyone would be... um, yeah, critical of the Carlton Footy Club to, to go after Clarko and, and then Clarko saying no, then obviously yeah, the, the field opens up and so no, not at all. I think Bossy is a yeah, really confident in his abilities his second time round. You know, he would have learned a lot from his Brisbane Lion days, there's no question. Had a really good grounding at Ports uh, under Kenny Hinckley and 
they've been pretty successful without winning a premiership. So, yeah, I think he's well-placed to have a second crack at it, which is great. And how optimistic are you about North Melbourne next year? I know you mentioned that midfield before. I think they've got Simkin, Taron Thomas, Davies Uniac, Phillips, Stevenson, Powell, and they've got pick one. I'm not sure they'll probably go. It sounds like they're going to pick Horn Francis, and they're building a sort of decent forward line with Larky. I think Coleman Jones is coming in and Zerha. So how do you think you'll go next season? Yeah, I think they'll bounce relatively quickly. I mean, like any club, I, th- I think it's a case of a you know, pro- process. You know, David Noble, terrific coach, very process-driven. I love that. You know, it's not not going to be necessarily about the wins. It's going to be teaching the players how to play. But I think the names you've said, they've certainly assembled a lot of talent. Now it's about just continuing that teaching, continuing to teach them how to play AFL football. You know, obviously Melbourne have done it, so they're the benchmark now. So you're looking at them and saying, okay, what do they do really well? What do the dogs do really well? Uh, but I think they're really well placed over the next two to three years to to really get back, you know, in the top half of the ladder. What do you reckon is like the main learning that you think applies from what you learn at Melbourne to where North Melbourne are currently at? I think it's the process is similar anywhere. And I think probably the main thing is that, yeah, you, you can't get, it's like climbing a ladder. You can't jump on the sixth run of the ladder without going one, two, three, four, five first, you know. So you've got to lay the foundations of your footy club. Yeah, that's behaviours and standards and relationships and, and there's a process you have to go through and then game plan, you've got to win, win, win contest the ball, you've got to be a really, really fundamentally sound defensive team and you've got to score off the back of turnovers really quickly, you know, get the ball back high up the field, win centre bounces, win clearances, you know, and it doesn't change at any footy club, it's just whether you can actually you know, weather the storm, it's a, it's a high pressure industry and there's a lot of people trying to tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do, so... Yeah, I think David Noble's an exceptional coach. He's got some great people at the footy club. And as you mentioned, they've got some talent. Jack Siebel's had a fantastic year. He's a great captain. So the leadership group's been impressive. It's a process. You can't fast track it. And, and they'll get there when they get there. Now, for all those Demon supporters that are out there listening, and they'll love to hear your opinion on this one. Now, what are your predictions for this Melbourne club over the next five years, potentially? Can they replicate the Richmond brilliance in your mind and can they go again and can they sustain a bit more success and stay in the top four for for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think your first goal as a footy club is to continually get in the top eight and top four and I think they're really well-placed to do that now, you know. And again, health is really important. We've seen that. So there's no question they've got the talent. Uh, they win a premiership now, which gives you confidence in your, you know, the coaches will have more confidence in the players, the players and the coaches. So there's no reason why that, you know, over the next four or five years, they'll continually definitely be top eight and, and shooting for top four. And when you're in the top four, you give yourself a chance. There was like some really big margins in the last few games of the year. Do you think that's like gaps in the best teams or is it just like teams capitalising on momentum? I think momentum is so important. The 6-6-6 means... Yeah, once you get centre bounces, we saw Melbourne just in the space of three or four centre bounces got back in the game. At the moment, it's real talent v talent, you know, because of some of the changes to the rules. And But I think that'll change. You know, we'll probably maybe see some run with players coming back in. We'll see some more tactics coming back in the game. I mean, coaches are smart. They learn from what's happened. Yeah, we've had a really lopsided final series apart from a couple of games. So I think the coaches now will change some of the tactics moving forward. And, you know, um, and we always see that year in, year out. Now, we're just going to finish with some of our quick-fire questions. And first and foremost, the 2022 Premiers in your eyes, Paul. Yeah, great question. Well, it's hard to go past the two teams played in the grand final, really. Yeah, so Melbourne and Dogs are really well placed, so it's, it's got to be one of those two. And, Paul, you can't say North Melbourne, and I don't think you will, but the 2022 Wooden Spooners. Gee, that's, that's a harder question, to be honest. I think there'll be a logjam, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You know, I think that's a 
that's that's too hard a question because I think we're seeing teams that are bouncing back really quickly. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know who you're looking at the bottom teams this year with North and Adelaide and Suns. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know some of those teams. Yeah, knocking on the, the, the borderline of the eight. So I'll probably answer it slightly differently. And the biggest improvers in your eyes of 2022? So let's forget North, because I'd say North, but people say, oh, you're involved in the club. So let's park that for a minute. I think Collingwood, potentially, to be honest, I, th- I think they've got a still a pretty good list and, and pretty good players and had a lot of injuries this year. So I'll pick Collingwood. Now, who's most likely to coach again, Ross or Clarko? Well, I think Clarko. I think Clarko said he's taken a year off and definitely come back in and so I'd say Clark go by a whisker and, and obviously Ross had a yeah, a little bit of a thought this year about putting it back in and then decide not to. So look, I, I definitely go Clark go. Non-AFL related ones here. How many times a day have you been shaking it? <laughs> <laughs> the man shake. <laughs> yeah, I've actually got a good stock of man shake, which is great. So uh, I can highly recommend it. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Very well done. Gentlemen, what an incredible journey it has been going through the final series, returning after a bit of a hiatus and being back in the ballpark for this final series. It has been an absolute joy as always. Fryzy and Maxi, appreciate your time as always. Always a pleasure, sir. Thanks, boys. An absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, look, six, six months to process this downright bizarre grand final that we've just had. Nonetheless, it was very exciting. And as far as predictions, well, will uh, we'll be far better place to make those, I think, uh, in the coming months, that's for sure. Definitely, gents. Thank you very much for your time. And thank you to Paul Roos as well for joining us on In The Ballpark. No doubt our biggest In The Ballpark guest. We absolutely love what Paul Roos has done for the AFL and, of course, this incredible Melbourne Football Club, which have his fingerprints all over them. Melbourne fans, keep going wild. (laughs) Let's play the song for you again. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on a huge season of In the Ballpark, and we will be back for a trade wrap in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. It's a grand old flag. It's a high-flying flag. It's the emblem for me and for you. It's the emblem of... Team we love, the team of the red and the blue. Every heart beats true for the red and the blue, and we sing this song to you. Should all acquaintance be Sing this song to you Should all